0: I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show...
1: You do get a lot of spam, and you get what we call the pitch slap. That's with a P, the pitch slap, right? Where somebody connects with you, you accept, and then they say, buy my stuff, and you're like, wow, thank God you're here, times 12 people a day, right? Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.
0: It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Today, we talk with Samantha McKenna, known as Sam. She is the founder and CEO of hashtag Sam sales She's been selling for all sorts of companies, some of which you know well, like LinkedIn, for a long time, every year killing her quota. Why does that matter? Because she is now training people on how to sell. And when you think of sales, most of us think of the car sales guy that was rude to us or maybe lied to us. They think of the real estate agent, and maybe describe the backyard. We think of salesmen and salespeople, no gender there, as being folks we don't want to deal with. What Sam's job, and she's killing it, is to make sure that salespeople are about relationships. I know that sounds simple to say, but Sam is telling her clients what we all know. We don't want to be sold, we want to be shown why we might want to own that product or service. Here's our conversation. Sam, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Great to be here.
0: I, uh, I I realized and I communicated to you how it seems like you are absolutely the tip of the spear or at the forefront of so many different ways that customers are being contacted, they're being introduced to the customers, or I should say to the providers' wares and services and value and how that relationship is built and solidified and maintained in this new world, and not just of social media, but all the, all the tactics that are in front of us. It's incredible... How you've been doing that tell us the aha moment that made you decide to start your own firm
1: i think i had been in enterprise sales um you know working for larger organizations and and closing out on linkedin and realized you know i think every single year I had broken a record or leapt over the bar that had been set for me. And I thought, you know, gosh, if I can do this at one company, I wonder what the impact is that I can have at another. What is it about my style and my tactics that always make me at the top of the leaderboard? And so I launched this, frankly, with the hope of working part time and making half the money that I did prior. And that went out the window due to my competitive spirit in about a week. Um, But it's really thinking about how do we get back to the customer, right? When we think about sales and traditional sales, what do we think about? We think about the same thing that I thought about when I got into sales, which was boof, right? Our our industry, our space has a bad rap and it's because so many people are aggressive and manipulative and just kind of, you know, not so great when we do our outreach. We think about ourselves instead of the customer. And I thought, well, what if I can run an organization and do training on how to be buyer-centric, how to really think about customer challenges, how to reach out in a non-spammy, non-cold call way? And four years in and almost 200 clients, I think we've done all right.
0: Wow. So it's funny because it's it, it, my, my sense when I talk to folks getting into the business world, is that a lot of younger employees, I say younger folks, maybe under 30, call themselves business development, when in fact they're yeah. really in sales. And I wonder if there's, there's a sense of that shame that you just you just touched upon because we're all selling.
1: It's like you heard me when I got into sales. I literally changed my title to business development because I thought sales was a little too grimy, and I was like, "Well, business development sounds much more elegant," and so I went with that. But yeah, at the end of the day, we're in we're in sales, right? We're here to develop business, but we're here to sell, um, and that's our goal.
0: So your time at LinkedIn must have been incredibly educational and m- probably motivational because, you know, when it started, we all know those of us who joined on early saw it was a way. I would argue professional Facebook to reconnect and, and present yourself, but yeah. in, the, in the last, I don't know how many years you can you can walk us through that. It's become a platform for uh, for relationship and relationship initiation. I'll ask the question though: as a heavy LinkedIn user, I feel like I am getting more spammed than ever before by LinkedIn participants. Do you think that may harm the brand and the environment?
1: i think linkedin is I think the truly the best platform for trying to avoid robots and spammy etc but i think we're what we're missing is an education of how to properly uh use the platform which is one of the many things that we do you do get a lot of spam and you get what we call the pitch slap that's with a p the pitch slap right where somebody connects with you you accept and then they say buy my stuff and you're like wow thank god you're here times 12 people a day, right? Or even something that LinkedIn heavily advocates for is the use of in-mails. In-mails used to be fantastic because they stood out through from the noise, but what are they seen as now? Spam, because yeah. that's exactly what people do, right? It's advocated that salespeople use in-mails to try and connect with people when there's so many more authentic and manners-driven ways to connect with your buyers. I think the fantastic thing about LinkedIn, and I don't even think LinkedIn quite realizes this yet, but the community and the education that the platform has built is amazing, right? You think about the early days of every role that we're in, there's influencers, right? I hate using that word for myself, but myself included, who teach you, right? Who have been there, done that, killed it successfully, and teach you everything that you need to know about your Specific profession, and you think about that. That's also what we're kind of getting wrong with LinkedIn. Is our buyers are here not to be sold and not to be aggressively told. They are here to learn. So when you, as a rep or as an executive, etc., come to cha- to teach your stories and talk about the things that you've done, you are here to inspire and tangibly teach somebody. It's interesting too because we have a whole line of business that writes executive profiles and content and managers and some celebrities too that you might have seen spy up on the platform. But everybody at first wants to say, let me talk about my company. And we're like, nope, tell us about the day you were born and everything that's happened since then that you're comfortable sharing and maybe not so comfortable sharing. Let's tell those stories because that'll draw your users in overnight.
0: So it's funny because uh, I agree from an experiential standpoint with everything you just said. And once again, to our listeners, we're talking with Sam McKenna, Sam is the founder and CEO of hashtag Sam sales consulting and an incredible career in sales, which she now with her colleagues is, uh, is applying to the 200 plus co- uh, clients that they have. But I remember Lion, remember Lion LinkedIn open networker. And when I used yeah. to see that, that Lion uh, badge next to somebody, I tended, maybe I was alone, but I tended to shrink away because to me it was sort of like, Oh no, this guy, <laughs> typically guy, this guy is in it for, Hey, can you buy my, like, like, like a, like a carnival barker. <laughs> and it, it seems like that badge has either gone away or people are getting smarter about not using it.
1: I think it's interesting. There's a, a gentleman is a good friend of mine in Chicago named Todd Capone. And if you want any negotiations training, he's fantastic. But he says that, he says something that I think is so true. Salespeople ruin everything. We ruined the telephone. We ruined all the technology that came. We ruined you know outreach and things that allow you to scale your email. Um, and we ruined that, right? So even having open to network or open to chat on LinkedIn um, that all of a sudden meant that you were more likely to respond, which meant that people probably segmented those profiles down by the people that were open to it, and then started to spam those. So I think that's also what's interesting about sales. It's a constant. We're constantly changing. Something works today, we ruin it, <laughs> and we have to change it. Right? If you're familiar with that platform, Outreach.io or Salesloft, headquartered in Atlanta, those things allow you to scale what was called personalization. Right? So. It's now personalization at scale, which is a dirty word in my my book. It means that you put your name in, um, and now somebody thinks that, you know, you put these little brackets that pulls your name from a CRM, and somebody thinks you personalize the email. Hey, Sam, wow, they know my name. That worked for like six months until we all caught on, and then it went away. So we ruin everything. We've got to stay up to that. And at the end of the day, when we think about chat GPT and AI and everything that's changing in the landscape, what really matters? And frankly, what matters and the people who are going to win are the ones that, Frankly, just take the time to understand who their buyers are, put in the work, do a little due diligence, do a little show me, you know me, as we call it here at Sam Sales, and just give a darn about their buyers.
0: So we're going to touch on AI and, and how you're seeing it shake out in, in a little yep. bit. But I, I want to, if we could stay on LinkedIn and maybe maybe I'm telegraphing to our listeners here on what's working in Washington, some of my personal resentment. But I, I got to tell you, what, <laughs> what, what blows me away sometimes is people... To your point, what's that? It's called pit, pitch slap. I, I I love that term. <laughs> they they reach out. Their profile seems fine, interesting. I say yes. Then they they send me a gazillion sales pitches, and hmm. then they get resentful when I don't answer them. To me, oh, silence gosh. silence equals no. Yet they refuse to stop pitching. And then when I say I'm not interested, they they say why not? Which is of course what every salesperson is trained to say. And I just wonder, like, can we figure out a way to stop that, please?
1: First of all, I love that our podcast has turned into an event session for LinkedIn for you. This (laughs) is fantastic. I'm here for it. Second, everything that you describe is the antithesis of what we teach, right? And I think we we even see this in email outreach, right? Like somebody sends you a couple of emails and then they say... Well, I guess the creating pipeline is not a priority for you right now. And you're like, it is, your emails are just awful. Thanks, right? We make these assumptions, right? Or we get overly pushy. We even say like, our like, here's a great best practice for you. Number one, as salespeople, we tend to reach out on LinkedIn day one. Here's what we do. We send an email on day one, we, send, we make a cold call maybe twice on day one, dear God. And now we hit you also with a LinkedIn connection request. Go easy, right? So instead we say send a few emails do your show me a you know me do some due diligence and then send a connection request on linkedin my name might look familiar as i've sent you a few emails mark i yeah. would still be grateful for it appreciate the chance to chat with you about our product yep. and then the kicker when you accept and you accept with something riveting which is either nothing at all you just accept or you say thanks period super what are we going to do with that what we advocate for is that you say thanks for connecting mark looking forward to staying in touch and you know what you're going to do you're going to say huh that's weird. First, you're going to panic because you're going to see my message come in. You're going to be like, here it comes. Then you're going to see my non-salesy message. You're going to think, that's weird. She didn't pitch me. And I'll say, just you wait, it's coming. Just not just yet. Right. We're going to put a little care into the relationship and try to earn your time versus be a hustly sales rep that's going to push ourselves into your world.
0: That's the voice of Sam McKenna. And she is helping me in this cathartic moment together (laughs) on on my LinkedIn experiences, which maybe some of you listening I've had similar ones. Uh, Sam, Sam is the founder and CEO of Hashtag Sam sales Consulting. So we're in the D.C. area, and there's a couple of companies in, in the D.C. arena, the, the DMV, as they say, that seem to be considered sort of sales west points, uh, corporate mm-hmm. executive board and a few others for outbound sales. And as you may recall, there was a very significant up or out pyramid in, in those entities for phone sales uh, for lead gen. And then for conversations with the closers and stuff like that. Have you found that companies like that do produce quality sales, uh, sales talent, that, that do produce quality lead gen folks, or are we past that old model?
1: I think, I think companies like Corporate Executive Board, Challenger Sale, right, that is now part of Gartner produce an elite amount of sellers, right? I think especially for the people that have had, you know, this experience on their record for seven, eight, 10, a decade, right, have come out and they really, to me, everyone that I've met that has graduated from, let's say that university, if you will, has been phenomenal. Now, what I will say, right, is that sales training shops are a dime a dozen, whether we're talking about Challenger, which is my personal favorite, right, or Spin or Sandler, all these things that are out there. What I think actually misses in most of these trainings and these organizations is the how to do what we're telling you to do. If you look at every organization, they tell you to find the economic buyer, to solve a challenge, to build a bond, to have a god-awful upfront contract. I'm so sorry for you, Sandler lovers, but no thank you. Um, There's all these things that we say to do, That's cute. How do we do it? You bring in a company like Force Management who's gonna charge you a few bajillion, that's an official number, dollars to train your sales teams, even if you have six of them. And your sales teams are gonna say, I learned absolutely nothing. I'm told that I need to social sell. I'm told that I need to build a relationship. I don't know how and i think that's the challenge that we solve right it's great to have those steps in the process those are your bricks and your mortar but your bricks rather but we're the mortar we tie it all together how do you social sell do this one two three four send this thing at this particular time on this time of day and then send your second one this time we're actually teaching those life skills of like what to do right and i think that's what's been missing in our space for so long it would also get sales training a bad name plus i will say Was one different thing is you have a bunch of enthusiastic women on our end that do the sales training. It's nice to have a change in voice and a change in diversity from time to time, especially with credibility to back what we say we're teaching people to do.
0: It's what's working in Washington. We're talking with Sam McKenna. When we return, Sam and I are going to dive into what AI is doing to her industry. And also uh, what government sales is like, because last time I checked, there's a pretty big customer here in the Washington DC arena called the United States government. All that and more coming up after this. a huge thank you to our listeners who put us in touch with some of the best voices in Washington, D.C. and the region. We've been hearing from you through Twitter, LinkedIn and other direct messaging. On What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how businesses in the region are keeping us competitive. We talk to the brains in the non-profit world, restaurant domain and next-gen tech. We love meeting smart people. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. Tracy Madigan, our producer, and I think that it's all about shining a spotlight on people who are really getting things done in the region. So please keep those ideas coming. And thanks to all of those who stay in touch with us. Working in Washington, I'm your host, Mark Walsh, here with producer Tracy Madigan, and we are joined by Sam McKenna. Samantha McKenna, but called Sam. She is the founder and CEO of Hashtag Sam Sales Consulting. One of the things they do very, very well amongst a wide variety of things for their clients, but maybe the best thing they do, is sales management, sales training, and aggressively increasing the sales capacity of the clients that they work with. And we'll get to some of those clients in just a second. But let's talk about your background. We we know that you got into sales early in your bio on LinkedIn, where you used to work, it talks about you losing, uh, coming in second in a sales contest and winning a TV. But I saw at the very beginning you were a lifeguard at Disney World, I assume. Yeah. There's no sales in that I, unless you want to save somebody's life. But walk us through uh, that, the Florida State, and then your sort of progressive sales experience culminating in, I think we touched on it earlier, why you decided to be a trainer as opposed to hitting your quota and making real money.
1: I think the, the the lifeguard role was really interesting because I had a I had a colleague in my class who said he had gotten that job and it was a Typhoon Lagoon in Orlando, Florida. And I'm like, well that sounds badass. I get to be a lifeguard and I get to get paid and be at Disney and get free everything I'm in. And I think the most interesting thing about my sales career now is that a lot of the lessons that I learned in those first few days at Disney pay off now, right? Thinking about client service, thinking about things like the question behind the question. um, I will never forget these lessons, but To me, um, you know, thinking about I always had this competitive spirit, but I never thought about sales. I was always really enthusiastic. My high school boyfriend's mom said I should be the cruise director, the events director on a cruise ship. And I was like, okay. Um, I never thought about sales. But what's interesting is I um, moved to D.C. It was in 2007, right when things were not getting so exciting with the financial crisis coming up. Um, And I was at a pottery barn uh, in Tyson's Corner Galleria. If you guys remember that store a long time ago, started to help someone there i'm a person that was looking for frames and i just gave her advice and the general manager walked up and she said would you like to work here and i said well i guess i don't have another job so just kind of by being my normal self i got hired there and then the hours were a little unsustainable and i got a job in sales um i was hired actually by paul valella who some of you might know in the dc area who used to run a company called hire strategy and he put me into this role i went in very reticently but quickly found out i think within the first few weeks again a colleague who said. I think the thing you need to change about your viewpoint of sales is that we're not here to sell. We are here to solve a challenge for someone. And my CEO at the time who had been, you know, number two or number three at down in Bradstreet said, people aren't getting on the phone with you because they, are trying to burn time. They are busy, busy, busy. The reason they're getting on the phone with you is because they have a challenge to solve. It's our job to figure out what that is. And I think as being someone who bleeds for making positive impact and who always wants to help somebody, sometimes even to my detriment, right? I think about that. And that's, I think, what's made me so successful. How can I be of help to you today, right? We even talk about this with sales. When you show up to a call, your very first discovery call with a client, Somebody has been generous enough to give you 30 minutes of their time. Why? What's their challenge? What are they looking to solve? We are in desperate hope that it is what we can sell them its revenue for us. But even if it isn't, and if we can figure this out quickly and we can make a recommendation of someone else who can help them, hello relationship building playing the long game being a trustworthy consultant and advocate for them i mean blows the lid off just by changing one way that we approach our very first call our first date if you will with clients
0: Uh, all i agree with everything i agree i i I, I think everything you said makes a ton of sense for business but sometimes that it strikes me in some arenas there's a collision between the need to develop a long-term relationship of trust with somebody you meet and who becomes a customer and a client etc and the sort of hit and run and of course the classic example is auto sales. Um yeah. I, we my spouse and I just bought a car and the the transaction although i think you know autos autos.com and all of the all of the discovery uh, database discovery and transparency that the internet has provided to car car purchasers has helped a lot but still there auto sales is one of those arenas where hit and run i don't care about the relationship i need a transaction to happen now. How do you deal with clients that have some of that or do you not handle clients that that have that kind of hit and run mentality?
1: No, I think, I think everybody really thinks about the long game. They just don't know how to play the long game. So even just let's think about one or two different things that could have happened in your, in your car buying experience. You just bought this car. Let's say in 30 days that car salesman reaches out and just says, Hey, how's it going? Is the car meeting your expectations? Is it great? Is it as great as you thought it would be? Is there anything I can help answer for you? You would think what in the absolute heck is happening right now? Because the person has already gotten what they need from you and they there's literally, nothing else visible that they can get from you right now right and they're just checking in on you they're taking the time to give a darn about you as i say right and just that one thing you might be like huh maybe you do ask a question maybe you say something and then maybe that person let's just say the car salesman connects with you on linkedin and you follow their their journey right or when they reach out to the next place they call you in two years you'll remember that person and say, this was a different buying experience for me. I'm going to refer you. I'm going to come reach out to you, right? Think about that stuff. Especially if we're selling something like a generic car like a Honda, where you can buy, you know, there's, I don't know, 17 dealerships in the DMV area. If you had a great experience with somebody, if you found your one car salesperson that isn't like everybody else, guess who you're gonna refer left and right. So it's really thinking about that. It's not just your money we're after, it's everybody who knows money we're after in a non-elegant way to say that.
0: I labored long and hard for a short, glorious period of time in real estate sales data for mm-hmm. residential real estate. And that was exactly the point that's all about referral, 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 referral. So you're your structure I think uh, really applies to some of the larger ticket items. But let, let's let get to uh, a topic in our few moments together at the end here that we bounced around and, and chatted about, which is AI, artificial intelligence, mach- machine learning. Some of the criticism of AI is that it can mimic the intimacy of an individual and look like a lot of voices at once or hear a voice and ingest a lot of data that, that is from one voice, one person, one company, one entity, one brand, one show and then mimic that in a way that is indistinguishable to the listener. Do you think AI will be able, artificial intelligence and machine learning, as it progresses, do you think it will become its own sales force? And will we be able to put some of the lessons learned that you have in your brain with your colleagues into that experience?
1: I think it's kind of like the early days of the web, right? Everything kind of like it's new and it's fresh and exciting. But when we look back at it in five years or 10 years, whatever we came up with is pretty is pretty unattractive, right? Compared to what we put together now. So I think that's where AI is going to continue to go, right? It's a it, We can tell when something's been written by AI for the most part, right? We can, we can hear when somebody says something in AI. We can even recognize it when it's a video and it's done by AI. I think what will change, right, is that we'll continue to evolve and it will look in feel like us, even if it's not. What I do think though, even when we think about marketing, we think about sales, customer relationships, I think the people who ignore AI are going to get left behind. I think that the people who capitalize on it for the efficiency of learning, while mixing that with the brain and humanity and humor that they have, are the ones that are going to win. Our buyers, our customers, our readers are numb to everything at scale. They are numb to the communications that come out that look just like every other communication, even the sales emails, right? You read your subject lines, it says, Mark and Sam, quick connect. Mark, quick question. And you're like, wow. They're numb to that. So I think when we think about, you know, what does a podcast host care about? What does somebody in the government as a buyer care about? What does an attorney working at a firm care about? How can I sell to them? We can use AI to speed up our learnings our cliff notes, if you will, of our buyers, right, and how to market to them. But how do we mix in our spirit and our humanity on top of that?
0: All questions to be resolved. We're a little bit of a lightning round here before we get to our final set of questions. Are there any things uh, you want to tell our listeners that, about government sales that have specifically hit you and your colleagues at hashtag Sam sales Consulting?
1: I think we also think that because it's government sales, relationships don't matter, right? It's RFP based, it's data, it's database, it's all that stuff, but relationships still do matter, right? Making sure that we have those, we have our paths in, we have our champions, we have all sorts of sources of information about how our decisions are being made. Don't forget that just because it's the government that those relationships aren't super vital to the way that we move ahead.
0: We finish each show by asking our guest the meta question, which is if you rule the world, What's one thing you would start happening that isn't today, or what's one thing you would stop happening that is today? Uh, the microphone is yours, Sam.
1: Uh, well, just like a true salesperson, you give me an inch, I'll take a mile. So since you said one, I'll take two. Okay. Uh, one, I'll do a quick selfish one. I would say for any of your drivers who are going the speed limit or like a few minute, few miles over it in the left lane, please do, do Mark and I both the courtesy of just scooting over to the middle lane. The left lane is for passing. Thank you so much. Please get out of our way so we can speed and then be more readily caught by by the police looking out for us. Good making model of my car. Um, non-selfishly, I would say I'm wildly passionate about financial literacy. Um, I would love to see that change as something that is a mainstay in our schools across every, uh, age grade that we have and, and making sure that people are really well equipped with even just a few of the basic foundations, like what compound interest is, what a FICO score is, how to manage your credit card when you graduate high school. Um, I think what, what, uh, how empowered we could be and how better of a decision maker we could be, um, from a financial perspective, if we just learned a little uh, right before we got out in the world. So one thing I would change there.
0: Well, the two you chose, I am 100 percent in agreement with. And as you know, the NFL actually does a financial literacy program for the draftees who often wherever school they attended, not not Florida State, of course, they'd be fabulously course, prepared at yeah. Florida State, go Seminole. <laughs> but the idea of financial literacy as they come into, you know, significant salaries far above oftenly, often where, where, where their life has led them. And um, I would suggest that financial literacy at, at taught in high school will let those young men and women go into better careers when they can afford a car and drive fast on the, on the outside lane <laughs> of the beltway. So your two recommendations actually do, do come together at the very top. Listen, Sam, Sam McKenna, it's been a fabulous conversation, the, and we really appreciate you being on the show. We love every single minute of it. Thank you very much. Thank you, back. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by the Sunbaters.
1: You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and a streaming as a podcast.